You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. I've been spending my mornings with the young people and the children at the school, and uh, they have asked me, we go through a question and answer session, and they have asked me all kinds of questions. One of the questions that came up today was the question of food. Amen. And the question was asked, um, you know, what, uh, what is your favorite food in the Caribbean? And I said, well, I said, mostly uh, what we eat in the Caribbean is uh, a lot of rice and a lot of chicken. And I said, but I'll tell you what I, what I, what I dislike the most. And of course, they said, what? I was preaching in um, Bolivia, South America last year, and they took us to a restaurant, and we ordered. I ordered a steak, and the pastor that was with me ordered a steak, and the lady who was in charge of the children's home there, um, she ordered a steak, and she ordered something else with that, and they brought our steaks out. And they brought out this light-colored texture stuff. And the lady that we were with, who was in charge of the children's home, man, she just went at it. I mean, she just... And she looked at me and she said, Pastor, she said, uh, um, I I want you to taste this. Now, anytime you're in a foreign country... And a national says, I want you to taste this, and they don't tell you what it is, that's automatically, that sends red flags up, right? And uh, so I took a bite of it and stuck it in my mouth and chewed it up. And she said, do you know what that is? And I said, no. And she said, it is cow udder. How utter. You say, uh, what did it taste like? Well, it tasted exactly like you think cow utter would taste. It was terrible. It was nasty. Uh, and that's probably the worst thing that I've, uh, that I've tasted in my travels. Of course, in the Caribbean region, there are many different types of people. In Haiti, they speak French Creole, right? Um, of course, there's uh, the Dominican Republic that, that speaks Spanish, and uh, Puerto Rico speaks Spanish. There's, uh, there's some Dutch. In the Southern Caribbean Sea, there's what's known as the ABC Islands. You have Aruba, Bonaire, and Curaçao. And uh, uh, Curaçao, uh, they speak their language called Papiamento, and it's a... It's a combination of many different, uh, many different languages. Of course, if you go out to the, um, to the Lesser Antilles, the chain of islands that kind of make a, uh, a smiley face out uh, uh, as far as you can go in the Caribbean, those were all British colonies. And then there are Indians there. There are three types of Indians that migrated from South America. There are the uh, Siboney uh, Indians. There are the Arawak Indians. And then there are the Carib Indians, and, and we've worked 
and are working on the island of St. Vincent with the Carabindians. Um, they're, around the, uh, they're around the volcano, and so that's just some interesting things. Someone asked me, and I'm watching my time, I'm going to give you what I'm going to give you in 30 minutes or less, or your money back. Amen. Um, someone asked about how we began to work with the national pastors. In the 1970s, an American missionary from Tennessee by the name of Johnny Daniels went to the island of Dominica. And he went to the island of Dominica and he planted a church there. And back in those days, in the 1970s, the church that they built there was a church that um, isn't like the churches that they build there now necessarily. It was, it was uh, made of wood and palm fronds and, and was lit with candles. And someone got mad at, at Brother Daniels and they lit the church on fire and the church burned down. He stayed there and continued to work with the people and this was in the 70s. And um, God called him away from there and he called him to start a church in Puerto Rico. And when he started that church in Puerto Rico, God began to bless that church. And about 25 years ago, uh, Brother Daniel started, who was pastoring the church there, Brother Daniel started a, a college. And over the course of these last 25 years, there have been men that have been produced from that college that has gone back into the Caribbean islands from whence they came and, uh, and started churches. And so... Primarily, the people that we are working with, the nationals, when I say nationals, they're nationals from that particular country, but primarily those are the people that we're working with, uh, those and, and American missionaries that are there. So they all have some type of affiliation with, um, with either Puerto Rico or Pastor Johnny Daniels uh, or the college there, and we're certainly grateful for that, and that's one of the ways that we make sure. It's very important to me. Um, concerning making sure that they're right doctrinally. Now, we have had people that have contacted our ministry that have said, can you help us? And it breaks my heart when I have to say to them, no, I'm sorry, we can't help you because, and then I have to show them something in the scripture that is wrong doctrinally. That's a very, very hard thing to do, and I don't like doing that. But I have a responsibility to, uh, to, to be right. Does that make, that make sense? And so that's very important. That's a very difficult thing to be able to do. But God has, uh, God has certainly shown us grace and mercy, and the ministry is growing. Plans now. We have the church plant, the tent. Um, and moving forward, our plans are eventually for our ministry to be able to actually purchase land in the Caribbean and, uh, and then on that land be able to build buildings and uh, be able, and there's, there's a lot of red tape and things that we've got to work through. And so we ask that uh, you would pray with us about that. And that's moving forward over the next 10 or 20 years or how the Lord works that out. But it's exciting and it's exciting to see what God's doing. Amen. Exodus chapter 4 you'll turn there, Exodus chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, as I said earlier, I trust that you have been praying about what God would have you to do. This is a 
very spiritual time for a church. It's a very spiritual time for us as individuals. In the decisions of life, we need to make these things a serious matter of prayer. And uh, then we need to determine in our heart and mind that we're going to do exactly what God says for us to do. Now, sometimes we don't understand that. Does that make sense? God, I believe you want me to do this, but I just don't, I just don't see it. I want to show you tonight how God worked and how God got the honor and glory out of something. And I think that if we take these things and apply these things to our life, this will put everything into perspective concerning this matter of everything that we possess. And so I want you to look in Exodus chapter 4 and look in verse number 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And for the next few minutes, I'm going to give you just a couple things on this subject. What is that in thine hand? Our Father, speak to our hearts tonight. And Father, my intention tonight is to be brief. And we'll be out on time tonight. And I'm so grateful for your people. I know they've worked today. I know they love their church. They love their pastor. And I'm so grateful, Lord, for your goodness. So grateful for your presence in each service. How wonderful. We are undeserving of your grace and of your mercy and of your presence. Tonight, Lord, would you... Please speak through me. Give me your power and help us to get this truth in just the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. In Exodus chapter number 3, the Bible teaches us that Moses is keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and he's keeping the flock there on the backside of the desert. You know the story, whereas he was there on the backside of the desert, that the Lord appeared unto him, and as Moses was tending the flock... The Lord appeared unto him, and, and the Bible says in Exodus 3 that he, that he turned aside to see. I often wonder what would, happen, what would have happened if Moses had not turned aside to see. Uh, and and there's, a, there's a lot there. Oftentimes in our life, we just need to pause and turn aside to see. Amen? And so here is Moses. He's on the backside of the desert. And as he's on the backside of the desert, the Lord speaks to him out of the burning bush. In context, in Exodus chapter number 4, he's still there at the burning bush. He doesn't leave the burning bush uh, until you get down to Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 18, where Moses returns to Egypt. So in context, he is still there around the burning bush. I imagine, because he's still having a conversation with the Lord, that his shoes are still off. And and so him and the Lord, or him and God are having this this conversation. Now, we're going to come back to this. In just a moment, because God asked him a very important question. Now, you know this, and I know this, but God did not ask Moses the question because God didn't know the answer. Right? Because God knows everything. So there must have been a reason why God asked Moses the question. 
And certainly there was, and we'll look at that here in just a moment. By way of introduction, let me make two statements. Number one, I believe that God has placed in the hand of every person tools to serve him with. Let me say that again. I believe that God has placed in the hand of every person tools to serve him with. Now, we see this throughout Scripture, um, and we're not going to look at the references tonight for the sake of time, but I, I, will, I will tell you a couple of the references, and, uh, and, and we'll go through them quickly, but we won't turn to the passage. One of them is a man named Bezalel. Now, how many of you know who Bezalel was? Raise your hand. Anybody? All right. Here is Bezalel, and let me give you the reference for this. In Exodus chapter number 31, verses 1 through 5, Bezalel, uh, the Bible says, was commissioned by God to make the tabernacle, the furniture of the tabernacle, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, the, candle, the golden candlestick. In Exodus chapter number 31, Bezalel was the one that was commissioned to do that. Very interesting study how that the Bible says that God gave Bezalel the wisdom and not only did God give Bezalel the wisdom, God gave Bezalel the help that he needed, and God put in the hands of Bezalel the tools that he needed to serve him with. So my first statement is this, I believe that God has placed in the hand of every person tools to serve him with. For David, it was a sling and a stone, right? For, uh, uh, for uh, the lad with, uh, with the loaves and fishes, it was the food, wasn't it? For Samson, it was, it was the jawbone of a donkey. God placed that in his hand. And all throughout Scripture, we can see where God places in the hand of every person tools to serve him with. Second statement is this. There are two things... Generally speaking, that God gives every person. Stay with me now. There are two things, generally speaking, that God gives every person. Lost or saved. The first thing is this. And if we have time, I'll, I'll show you the scripture. The first thing is ability. Whether a person is lost or saved... Inbred within them, God gives every person that is walking on planet Earth ability. The second thing that God gives every person, lost or saved, is opportunity. Opportunity is what we do with the ability that God has given us. Opportunity is the ability, is, is, is doing the things that God has given us the ability to do. We have the opportunity. Now, the word opportunity comes from two words. The first, the first part of that word is the word ob, O-B. The second part of that word is the word porter. The word opportunity is an old sailing term. And back in the days of the 
wooden ships, before the days of modern harbors, what would take place is those ships would wait offshore until high tide. And then when it was high tide, there was an opportunity for them to make port. And that word opportunity comes from uh, that process of being able to make port. So every person lost or saved, God gives them ability. And then number two, God gives them opportunity. And opportunity is what we do with the abilities. Now, the result of that is legacy. Legacy is what we leave behind. We talked a little bit about that, but, but David was concerned, and I don't want to turn there for the sake of time, but Psalm 71, 18 talks about that, about passing these things down. But if we want, this is interesting, if we want the right legacy, then we must take advantage of the opportunities. Does that make sense? Now, for the believer in Christ, God gives us that, but God gives us much more. He gives us His Word. Amen? He gives us His Spirit. Amen? He gives us His church. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. So for the believer, He gives us these things and, and, and much more. Now, I want us to look for a moment back at our text, and I want you to notice the question, what is that in thine hand? This is, uh, this is missions conference time, and so I want us to concentrate on that phrase, and in just the next few minutes, I'm going to give you just three statements, and we're going to go to the house. I thought I'd get an amen out of that. Amen. <laughs> Number one. Whatever you have in your hand, it belongs to God. Look in your Bibles in Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 20. The Bible says, And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took, say it with me, church, the rod of God in his hand. Whose rod was it? It was God's. So whatever you have in your hand belongs to God. If you have a lot of money in your hands, it belongs to God. If you have a little bit of money in your hands, it belongs to God. Uh, that piano belongs to God. Um, I see our van sitting out there in the parking lot. And uh, that van, it, it belongs to God. Uh, the shoes that I'm wearing tonight, they, they belong to God. My tie belongs to God. Uh, my, uh, my glasses, they, they belong to God. Everything that I own belongs to God. And everything that you own belongs to God. And the Bible says... Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You see, 
whatever we have in our hand belongs to God. There's a parable in Matthew chapter number 25. If you study the parable in Matthew chapter number 25, and I want you to study this on your own uh, for the sake of time. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 14, beginning in verse number 14, the Bible teaches us about the, uh, uh, about the Lord that gave his servants talents. Now the talents there uh, is, is money, a, a, a measure of money. And you study that, and if you study that, you're going to find that principle. The Bible uses the word several ability, so, so the parable teaches that we get ability, and then after that, in that parable, we get opportunity to do with, to do with what God wants us to do with the things that He's given to us. Does that make sense? And this week, it just so happens that the things that God has placed in our hand, we have now, because God has given you the ability to have those things, we have now, we, we come to a point of opportunity. Does that make sense? And all of us have to make a decision concerning that. But, but everything in our hand belongs to God. Number two, second statement. Whatever you have in your hand is just ordinary unless God touches it. Whatever you have in your hand is ordinary unless God touches it. You say, how do we know that? Well, look at Exodus chapter 4 and verse 3. He, the Lord asked, what is in thine hand in verse 2? And he said, a rod. Verse 3 says, and he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses, fled uh, and Moses fled from before it. Yeah, me too. Amen? In verse 4, And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Aren't you glad that Moses was listening to the Lord? Aren't you glad that uh, uh, Moses was in tune with the Lord? If Moses would not have been in tune with the Lord, he may have picked it up by the head. That would have been a mistake, right? And so he was listening to the Lord. Now, did Moses understand everything? He had never seen his rod turn into a serpent before. He didn't understand it. Because Moses' ways and God's ways are not the same. Just like God's ways and my ways and your ways are not the same either, right? So whatever we have in our hand is just ordinary unless God touches it. Now, it's important for us to understand that, that God used Moses' abilities. Don't miss this. <laughs> but God also used his inabilities. God used his abilities because Moses was a leader. But God also used his inabilities. Remember when he said to the Lord, I, I, can't, I can't speak. I, I'm not eloquent of speech. So God uses both of those, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But it's just ordinary unless God touches it. We may have all the talent in the world, but all the talent in the world is just ordinary unless God touches it. We may amass the world's largest bank account, but it's all ordinary 
unless God touches it. When God touched the rod in our text, the rod went from ordinary to extraordinary. Now, I think it's interesting, get this truth, that often, I'm not saying I understand this necessarily, I'm just saying that it's truth. <laughs> often God puts the things in our hand before He reveals what He wants done. Let me say that again. Oftentimes, God puts in our hands the things before He reveals what He wants done. Bezalel was a builder before God said, go build. Does that make sense? David learned how to fight the lion and the bear and was efficient at his slingshot long before he walked out in the valley of Elah. So whatever we have in our hand is just ordinary unless God touches it. But oftentimes in our life, God will give us the things before He reveals what He wants done. But long before God touches it, <laughs> He must touch our heart. He must touch our heart. In Matthew chapter 22 Verses 35 through 40, a lawyer asked Jesus a question trying to trip him up. The greatest, about the greatest of the commandments. And Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. Jesus did not say, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy soul, thy heart, and thy mind. There's a difference between loving the Lord there's a difference between loving the Lord and loving Him with all of our heart. Amen? Um, it's important for us to understand that God must touch our heart. Statement number one, whatever we have in our hand belongs to God. Statement number two, whatever you have in your hand is just ordinary unless God touches it. Statement number three, Whatever you have in your hand is a tool to accomplish God's will. The reason that Moses had a rod in his hand was to help deliver Israel. That was God's will. We know this because in Exodus chapter 7, verses 15 through 18, Moses approached Pharaoh and talked about that same rod and what would take place if, if Pharaoh did not let God's people go. You see, the things that God places in our hand is not about us. The things that God puts in our hand, these, these, uh, these things that are, are goods or these things that are abilities, these things that He's placed in our hand, they're for one purpose, and the purpose is so that His will will be accomplished. It's not about what Moses wanted. It's about God's will. God's will today is to reach the world with the gospel. There's some parallels here because in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 10, God gave Moses a command. And God gives us a command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, God gave Moses his presence. And we have God's presence by way of the Holy Spirit. In Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 1, God gave Moses his power and we have the power of God. You shall receive power, Acts 1.8. But whatever we have in our hand is a tool to accomplish God's will. Now, Moses used that rod. And he used that rod to accomplish what God's purpose was. But I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go to the book of Numbers. And here is the danger. Numbers chapter 20. Here is the danger. This is the last time in Holy Writ that we see Moses' rod. And I want you to see what Moses did with the rod that God was using to accomplish his will. This was what was in Moses' hand. Okay, so in, Ex or so in Numbers chapter 20, the people are mad. Verse 6, Moses and Aaron, uh, Numbers 20, verse number 6, Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. They fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared, un, un, uh, appeared unto them. And uh, the people wanted to kill him. Verse 8, take the rod, and gather thou the assembly uh, together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth uh, his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so shalt thou give the congregation and their beast drink. And Moses took the rod, verse 11, and Moses lifted up his, his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. Uh-oh. Was he doing the will of God with what God had placed in his hands? No, and that's the last time that you see that Holy Writ talks, <clears throat> talks about that rod. What Moses did was this. <clears throat> Moses took that which God gave him and that which, Mo and that which he was using to accomplish God's will, and Moses used it for carnal purposes. And the danger in my life and in your life is these things that God gives us. Money, possessions, that we take these things that God gives us and we use them for carnal purposes. Because that's not God's will. And I'm closing. Question number one. What has God placed in your hands? It's different for all of us. God hasn't placed in my hand the, the ability to fix things. As a matter of fact, if there's something around the house that's broken... My wife has come to the place to where she says, wait, I'll fix it. God has not put that in my hands. 
but all of us have things in our hands that God will take and we can accomplish His will, and His will is to reach people with the gospel. Number two, whatever God has placed in your hand tonight during the invitation, would you ask God to touch that? Because unless God touches it, it's just ordinary. Number three, would you use the things in your hand to accomplish His will in reaching the lost for Christ? It's real simple. Those are the three questions we should ask ourselves tonight. Our Father, thank you for your goodness. Help us, Lord, to understand this truth. You've placed in our hands these things. They're not ours, they're yours. And however you deal in the hearts and lives of people tonight, we ask you, Father, that the decisions made would be lasting decisions. As your people are praying concerning this matter of missions. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.